Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today's episode is a bonus episode chatting all about one of the films premiering at Fright Fest at the end of this month. Um, So I'm joined by a returning familiar face, Aaron Truss, the director of short film Paradolia, uh, which has its world premiere at Fright Fest in London on Monday, 28th of August, plus producer Stuart Morris. Uh, welcome, Aaron and Stu. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys both doing? Busy. Yeah. Busy. Getting things all, all together for next week. Yeah. And, but, um, uh, badges, um, posters. Oh, bags. badges and posters. Merchandise as well. Yeah. I definitely want to get my hands on some of them. Okay, we've got a poster. Wait, what is that? A postcard? <laughs> so that's a little postcard that you can... You know, when you go to Brighton Beach, post it to your mum. Yeah. Has a little, uh, oh. yeah, um, picture of Diane yeah. on the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is and... that is a great image. That is like a really effective image. Like ever since I first saw it, it's almost like on a par with, um, like that shot of Pazuzu in The Exorcist, isn't it? Like oh, it's something wow. really distinctive. Yeah, yeah. It. It's really distinctive. Like when I saw it, and uh, really catches the eye. Okay, right. Um, well, lovely. Amazing. Bloody cool oh, badges. And one more thing, just while we're here showing yeah. off. Uh the official Paradolia apron. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Hang on a minute. No, Wait, no, it's a tote, it's, it's a tote bag. bag. <laughs> it's not an apron. Lifting it and then <laughs> Yeah, they it doesn't go any further. So yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Maybe you, you should probably get aprons made as well, you know, just in case. People are gonna there's gonna be a demand for them. Why not, Stuart? Should we get some aprons, some advent calendars? So. <laughs> um, I'll just tell the audience a little bit about the pair of you. Um, obviously, Aaron, you've been on the show before talking about Cult of VHS, and you um, joined us for an episode discussing Night of the Creeps as well. So, Aaron Truss is an award winning director and producer, best known for Knox, the Rob Knox story, and Cult of VHS. Uh, and Stuart Morris is a multi award winning producer and casting director um, with creation of 2009 of the Misty Moon ex- exhibitions and, ev- and events. So, yep, a little bit. And of course, today we're talking about the short film Paradolia, 
Um, so brief logline of the film is Sinead, a university lecturer studying the subject of pareidolia, becomes convinced that she is being stalked by an entity hiding within her house. Meanwhile, a mysterious death is brought up to the attention of a local priest who realizes that his past is beginning to catch up with him. Um, so, yeah, I guess we should start talking about the film and how did the idea like originally blossom? I guess. Where did it where did it come from, the idea to make this film? Well, I knew Aaron when he was a bit rounder and a lot more ginger. Uh, in 2012, <laughs> he he came to my gallery, the Misty Moon Gallery um, in Ladywell, where we had Mark Patton and Kim Myers from Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We were doing a screening wow. of Freddy's Revenge, and they were doing a Q&A. And I didn't realise that he um, was a huge fan of that film. And he came along with about 30, 40 other people. Mm. And... Um, and yeah, we chatted, got on, you know, and um, he was walking around with the Freddy glove that Mark Patton bought over and everything. And we lost contact, I think. He was on my Facebook page. And then about two years ago, I think it'll be two years in October, we also run a film festival, which we've been doing 14 years now. And um, it was the first one after the uh, pandemic. And he put in his short film, The Understudy, which won the Dudley Sutton Award which was really, really cool, which I picked wow, yeah. for the Dudley, uh, Dudley Sutton Award. Um, and then last year, um, Diane was coming over to a few gigs with us, and she never does shorts. And I'd said to her, I really want to work with you on a film. And she said, because it's Misty Moon, if it's got to be one, a good script, no zombies, and I'll do it. <laughs> okay. And I spoke, I spoke to Jen, my wife, and I said, but we need to get a director, someone different, because I'd worked with a couple of directors before, and they've been good, but it's all been a bit mad and zany. So I wanted to go off into something more serious. And she said, well, what about that young guy who did the understudy? And I went, oh, right, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. I contacted nice. him and I said, I've got an idea. I live in a 500-year-old cottage. Diane's over here for a few days, going to do some stuff with us. I just want to do a monologue sitting in my big pink chair in front of our big Inglenook fireplace. He mm. goes, yeah, I'm sure we can do that. And the next thing we've got, mortuaries, police cars, helicopters, speedboat chases, everything. So it's it was a big a very tiny little nugget. Yes. <laughs> it was a, huge from a tiny little nugget into this huge blockbuster. <clears throat> Thanks wow. to his dad. So that's, so that's your house then in the film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tiny little cottage, 500 years old. Lots it's actually haunted. So yeah, it's actually yeah. haunted. So we actually saved a fortune on the budget. Um, yes. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think I misread the brief because I thought you said Diane Franklin doesn't wear shorts, and I was like, okay, fair uh, enough, uh -huh. doesn't bother me. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't realize Diane said no zombie films or was no zombies. Yeah, why, That's, why did she say no, no zombies. zombies? Well, I think it's because everyone does zombies and stuff like that, and she just didn't want to be a zombie. I think she's been a vampire before people have approached her for that, but yeah, she didn't yeah. really want to be a zombie. So Diane I remember Franklin she said no decapitations as well. That was a proviso as well, so we didn't do that. Mm. You had to do a quick rewrite of the script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, oh yeah. God. It was in the first scene, and it was like, oh shit. <laughs> so obviously, she read the script. She just loved it, you know. Yeah, and she was hooked in. She was hooked. So Diane Franklin, of course, star of Amityville Two: The Possession, um, Terror Vision, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, amongst other things as well. So that's a uh, amazing, amazing to have her on board. I mean, the 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 um cast is is incredible though, isn't it? Um 
So how how was the like cast initially like assembled? So Diane Franklin, Graham Cole, Caroline Pickles, Caroline Pickles. An, sorry, well, that's definitely another Stuart question. <laughs> okay, well, they're all friends. I I know them really well. And when Aaron gave me the um script, the first draft of it, straight away I knew for the vicar or the priest Graham Cole because me and Graham mm. go back twenty years, and you know he looks if he's not a copper he looks like a vicar. You know he's got that beard <laughs> and stuff about him. Aaron and his dad, though, for Gene, uh, Sinead's friend, uh, he was going to be called John, and they wanted Fraser Hines. So I asked Fraser, because I know Fraser, but he couldn't do it, which I think is good for us, really. Um, he was doing some Doctor Who convention in Chicago when we were filming, because we could only film for a couple of days in November. It had to be then when Diane was coming. Uh, so then I asked my friend Tyler Butterworth, um, Peter Butterworth's son, uh, but he he's given up acting there. He didn't want to do it, and that's why I thought, well, how about changing the sex? And Carolyn Pickles is a fantastic actress. I've known Carolyn for a few years, mm. um, and then they put in also some voiceovers, and that's when I said Sandy Johnson because I know Sandy, and to have Judith Myers from the original Halloween, I knew she wouldn't be able to fly in for it, but just to even do a cameo, and mm. that's how that came about. Um, and what's what's Sandy's character name in it as well? Mickey Myers. Mickey you see Myers. That? Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Instead of Michael Myers, you get it, Ben. Do you get it? It's like I Michael. get it. I get it. I mean, it's like a slight it's a bit bit of a mis spelling of Myers. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the cast, like I think it's great because obviously familiar faces as well, especially for like UK audiences. They're gonna they're gonna recognize every like everybody involved, which is which is great. I think, isn't it? Thank you. <laughs> yeah um i mean so how was the obviously aaron you said about working with your dad as well um is that the first time you've worked together you worked yeah together? well um uh i see him from time to time because he's my dad and yeah. uh we were just i just passed him in the street one day and said um <laughs> um stuart's got this uh project that we want to you know he wants to put together with diane franklin and his face lit up because he remembers filthy oh, priest wow. and all this stuff and and uh, amateurville 2 came to mind straight away and um i said have you got anything in the arsenal cuz we we want a good writer for this and i know that my dad my dad's a fantastic writer by the way he's he's written a novel called gape he's he's great at writing short stories as well and i know he's working on some stuff at the moment and um after many sessions at the pub and around his house we we kind of settled on the idea of pareidolia because it, it seemed like a very original idea that hadn't really been explored properly and could be an interesting hook for a horror movie. And mm. I remember, you know, Stuart, Stuart and I would have conversations saying, you know, where's the script at? Where have you got a story yet? And I do remember one phone call I had with Stuart where we'd moved away from this armchair monologue thing to a, a basic premise and i think stuart was really excited by the idea and i it was my job to sort of say okay we can do it and we can do it cheap but it's not gonna be cheap cheap but we can do it we can get away with it and this is before we introduced a an expensive mortuary but um we'll come back to that later mm. and um my dad and i just sat down smashing out this idea this story it was all my dad and um Obviously, we'd have to make changes, like Stuart was saying, to Gene's character um, and a few other things. And and the script was quite long. 
considering for the short we we I just basically thought, well, let's film the whole script or thereabouts, and then we'll just cut it down in the edit and just get rid of the fat and keep the meat. And uh, and it was fantastic. It was it was so much fun working with Dad. And um, I remember we we all went to Robertsbridge um, to meet Stuart and Jen, where uh, my dad um, made a lot of pubs very happy. <laughs> and yeah, uh, one of them dry. Yeah. Um, uh, they've all moved to Spain now, um, but no, uh, that yeah, it was it was a fascinating. Like um, it was just fascinating working with him because it was nice to see how his mind was working then and there through through, through all the drafts and coming up with these ideas. And we text each other back and forth like, "How about this?" And Dad would say, "No," <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we 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 disagreed on some stuff, but I think a majority of the things that we agreed on, um are in the film but there are a few things that i think he wasn't really entirely happy with but again i don't think those are in the film really um but it was just literally because i have a very different way of working i like to inject a little bit of humor in there but as i'll tell you later it, it, you have to find the right tone in, in in a very short amount of time you need to be tonally correct otherwise it's fine for a feature because you can expand you can give characters their own uh, definition and but for a short you have to be in and out like flint very quickly mm-hmm. and um but yeah it was it was great working with him and um he, i know he's proud of the film as well he doesn't really do interviews or um appearances or talk about it he he, he lives the arthur dent life and i respect that slippers and <laughs> you know stays yeah. at home away from people which is fine because we have yeah, showbiz stew for all that so there we go Brilliant! Everyone, everyone's got their own role. Um, so what? So you're, I'm assuming you're on your on the same wavelength for most most part. Do you do you think you maybe work? Would you work together in the future on something else? Uh, well, he yeah, wanted he... him to work on this, but he's handed it over. For the yeah, part. I mean he's he's a he's a he's a nice guy. I might I might see him again at some point. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, he, he... yeah, I think there's a, there's a nice camaraderie that we have um between the three of us and mm-hmm. i think it was just the idea of making sure stuart was happy stuart and jen um making sure we had a tight script and we we researched a lot of shorts for this as well and there were some shorts we were inspired by in, in the making of the film but also we wanted to sort of include little visual cues or nods without being too on the head with classic horror because mm-hmm. that's where my dad Stuart and I come from um I mean these guys lived it in the 80s and 70s whereas you know I grew up in the VHS era as we've already discussed Ben um yeah but I thought it was really important to to uh, uh, one thing that I was kind of adamant was not to have any amateurville references because um I just think that would have cheapened it a little bit the Halloween stuff with Sandy yeah. Johnson that's a little nice little nod I think I think that's about as as far as we push it with the references, but I I wanted to take Diane out of that context and um, keep it original. You know, there's there's nothing in there that that's amateurish. I don't think. No, no. I, the I, only thing that is, I would say, is the house looks a bit like it. The cottage it doesn't look like the house, but it's the same white weatherboarded all through our village. It's that type of look. Um, but what I liked about it is because, you know, you see a lot of shorts and some indie feature films where you've got a lot of English actors putting on very fake, bad American 
accents and you're not sure if it's meant to be in America because as they're driving their Fiat Uno down the street, you <laughs> see a Welsh sign or something, but it's meant to be in the deep south. Here it is actually meant to be an American lecturer who's moved to the UK. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think that, that it's definitely got the classic horror feel. I think that definitely came across. Um and I think like me, obviously being from the UK, when I see anything, anything horror set in the UK, it kind of, it just feels a little, I, I, that realism, it feels a lot more grounded to me. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely came, it definitely came across in that way. A hundred percent. I mean, how was the filmmaking process? Did it, how was it different to obviously the production of the last, the two documentaries you've worked on, Aaron? Well, it, it's, um, it's the first, I mean, I did the understudy, back in 2021 i think or 2020 yeah, i think that long day, yeah. and 2020, 2020 yeah and that was the last narrative piece i did and that was that was for fun mm. um you know it wasn't meant to be professional anyway it was just four guys having a laugh with a camera in a theater um so for for this one this was probably a chance to really relearn some of the things that I've grown up with in either in the industry from university from filmmaker friends and I I researched my bollocks off on this one because I knew that it, the horror couldn't be cheap the story couldn't be we couldn't be cutting corners on the story um so there was a lot of prep we prepped for such a long time Stuart we prepped for about a year or or more than a year on this so we had to make mm. sure everything was all our tools were sharp. As soon as Diane hit the tarmac, uh, we had to be ready to go. Um, even though we didn't start with Diane, we started filming with Graham Cole um, mm -hmm. just to get ourselves in there. And I, we only shot a number of scenes with Graham. And um, and yeah, it, it was a very odd experience, I think, just because I wasn't used to not turning up and interviewing someone this was i had to portray something that you know in my mind i knew was a narrative piece and had to make it look as honest and believable as possible and with the cast i had no problem with that because we had a, a stellar cast mm -hmm. um and everyone had their suggestions graham had this had his suggestions as well and take me to one side and he'd say i don't think i should do this maybe if i should do this and i'm thinking okay let's try both and see what works out best. And I tried to encourage that with all the actors. Um, if there was a certain way I wanted to do it, we'd do it my way, and then we'd do it their way. And then if Stuart had any ideas or wanted to change anything, we could do it his way as well, just so we had alternate takes. Hmm. Um, an example of that, without any spoilers, is a certain bit with Carolyn Pickles, um, uh, where Diane is in the bedroom and she remembers something that Carolyn said, and she's speaking to the camera. I think I remember, if I remember correctly, Carolyn didn't really want to do that because she thought it would be very hammy. And I said, no, trust me. I think this is the way we should do it. And you'll see why in the edit. Because as we're, as I'm filming, I'm I'm editing it in my head. Um, and I tried to explain that to Stuart as well when we were in the mortuary. Mm, okay. um, the transition between Graham Cole and the mortuary and the train going past, I'd, I'd already seen it in my head. So I was explaining that to Stuart. And then with Carolyn Pickles, it was very much the same. Um moment where i was just like look let's do it my way but don't don't play it for laughs or play it for scares just do it as like this and she did it and she was fantastic yeah and yeah, i um yeah i i love that moment it gives me chills because she just stares at you down the camera and, it, and when she does that she's staring at the audience 
Mm. Um, and and she's just a, a, phon- a phenomenal actress anyway. And we shot it her way as well. And it just didn't have the right. It wasn't what I was looking for in the story. And um, I think that was something that I found a little difficult at first was trying to convey a the story and how it was going to be represented, but also b how it was going to look as a film because mm-hmm. I'm already editing it in my head and the actors don't know. They've, they're going to come along, read some lines, talk to everyone, have a bit of a laugh, have something to eat, and then they're going to go. They're not going to think about this film again until they see it on the big screen or, or whatever. So it's my job to make sure that everything scene to scene to scene is making complete sense narratively. And it's hard with this film because it's um, it does jump over the place a little bit in terms of the timelines. Um mm-hmm just to confuse the audience a little bit. And the main thing is making sure that you've got tabs and you're not confusing yourself. Uh, this is last Wednesday. This doesn't make sense. And I know I know Stuart and I had a few phone calls where it's like, hang on, so if he's getting to the cottage and he's at the mortuary and, and we were just like, yeah, what, is it a Wednesday? <laughs> what, why, why are we doing all this Christopher Nolan stuff? <laughs> but we, we eventually worked it out. Yeah. And um, I think it was just because we had so long to prep that we, we might have over prepped possibly on some stuff but to be honest as soon as we hit action yeah 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 and it was quite nice it was spread as well over a long period of time and a lot of that was down to train strikes because we (laughs) were preparing to do this then there was a train strike so we had to put off the mortuary about three times um so then you're going into the next year but that to the outside world looks like it's a big big project because you start in October, November, and you're still filming in February, March. Mm. So it worked in our favour. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And Roberts Bridge is a lovely place where, where Stuart lives. And um, it, it's a lovely village. And <clears throat> it's it's got this quality about it, which is a, a very reminiscent of maybe a David Lynch picture, where it, it does look like you know, the surroundings and everything has a certain characteristic to it especially the mill the mill i fell in love with that mill um that wasn't even part of the script until stuart and i did a recce around the area and i thought that mill looks incredible and i went back to dad the very next day and said we need to add this in as a cutaway uh we don't know if it's going to be integral to the plot just yet but keep it in mind and then we we kept writing and then um but yeah, no, that that mill is incredible. And just a shout out to Lizzie Dyer at the uh, hospital studios, uh, West London Film Studios, for that mortuary. It's absolutely incredible. Wow. There, obviously, there's a particular moment. Um, we're not going to mention a, a thing about that because we don't want to spoil anything. Um, but okay, what can we say about it? Without... <laughs> I I can tell you the bit you're talking about took six long months to do, and uh it was started in october yeah and there will be a piece about this eventually in the future dan grant is to thank for this vfx artist dan grant and he spent so much time and energy and he was very meticulous about this particular bit you're talking about and uh the only thing i will say is uh the brief that i gave him aside from something that i can't say uh the other thing i could say was um Ice cream, scooped ice cream. Oh, okay. That 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 was what I said yeah, to him. Stuart, Stuart knows, 
Um, no spoilers, but yeah, that was yeah. sort of what we were going for. And it took him six months. And I remember uh, he was updating Stuart and I on on chats and Discord and stuff. And time. yeah, yeah, each time it was just like, oh, this this looks incredible. And then he, it was brilliant. And I think I think it really works personally. I think it really yeah. does. It's just like harrowing. I think I think it definitely does because there. Okay. I haven't eaten but... scoop. Haven't eaten scooped ice cream. Haven't eaten scooped ice cream since. Because there are a lot of moments like that in in, in short films, but also in, in sort of like other supernatural horror as well, where you're kind of seeing something that's just a just reminiscent of something maybe you've seen before, or kind of looked a bit like something else. I will say that this was something I feel like I've never seen before. So I was definitely like, okay. okay. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I think that's one of the things. Well, I think also, sorry for jumping in, but that's one of the things no that problem. Diane said that Paradolia has never been done before in any film, really. I think there's been the odd short out there, but it's never been really looked at. Yeah. And I think that's what intrigued her. That's what intrigued yeah, her about it. Um, do you only see Paradolia as a short? Do you think there could be a chance of a feature-length version? I know you said about the script being a lot that's longer what we hope. than it was. Okay, okay. So you think? Yeah, we're, we're hoping it'll be more than an apron. That's for sure. So, <laughs> well, um, what, what what could be more than an apron? What could you have? Full... Uh, oven oven gloves, <laughs> <laughs> baking tray. That's what ice cream these, scoops. These badges. Our visual effects artist said they look like mini baking trays. They do. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe you they're do little... a tiny little meal for a, for a guinea pig on that. Yeah, that's a baking tray for a borrower. For the borrowers. Like yeah, exactly. Uh, Obviously, really looking forward to 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 seeing it on the big screen at Fright Fest. Um, how and why did you choose Fright Fest for the world premiere? Was that always on the cards? I think in the back of our Stuart will definitely um, attest to this. I think in the back of our minds, uh, Fright Fest was Fright Fest has a special place in my heart anyway because of how we were treated last year with Cult of VHS, mm. and um, there were two things in the back of my mind that I really wanted to do. And that was, I really want this to do Fright Fest and I want it to have its world premiere at Fright Fest. There's no better place. It's the home of horror as far as I'm concerned, new and upcoming horror. Um, and the other thing was obviously I, we want it to be a feature film and, you know, you're only as good as your first festival, I think. And if you, if you start at Fright Fest, the only way is up. And oh, yeah. that was really important. Yeah, that was really important to us. And we knew a lot of people were going to be there. It was really important. And, you know, there was no nepotism involved or anything like that with Fright Fest. It was, um, I'd been chasing Paul McAvoy saying, I'm working on a new project and I, you know, I really want to submit it. I, I think it's, you know, I think it's got legs. I think it's really, of course, every filmmaker is going to say that about their baby. <laughs> and and I, I really wanted it to to make sure it had an impact Um with the team at Fright Fest. So, you know, um, thank you to Jake West as well, who's our um, edit consultant on the film and really kicked my ass up and down the street, making sure that the edit was tight as it could be story-wise and everything else. And I think, yeah, Fright Fest, that's just the beginning for us as well. And if you're going to start there, there's no other better place to start. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Um, so, I mean, after premiere at Fright Fest, where will audiences be able to watch the short? Is it going to be available anywhere else? Or is it going to be? Is it going to be shown at any other festivals? No, no, we'll we'll do We're the festival be... circuit. Yeah, 
and we've got a cast and crew screening, which Diane's coming to uh, in October at the Phoenix Arts Club, uh, where I put on a lot of my gigs. Um, that's on the 16th of October. Uh, invitation only. But we are going to, because the Phoenix have allowed us to have a few more tickets. Um, so I think 1st September, aren't we doing it or something like that? We're going to do a ballot to people. I've already had people saying, can they come? Oh, wow. And um, so we'll open it up to the first 30 people or whatever, uh, fans and that can come along and meet Diane and see the film and get a badge. Not a Fright Fest <laughs> badge, a different badge this time. A different badge. You can or or a little mini baking tray for your yeah. tiny, tiny cookies. Mm. <laughs> We've also got it into the... Um, uh, was it film fantastic films or something in manchester yeah the uh yeah. <clears throat> fantastic film festival in manchester um which is we're part of the opening but it's we? not yeah it's not in competition it's um they don't want competition they want it there as a centerpiece so it's in the opening night uh in front of mark gatis which will be perfect oh wow okay. and my friend madden smith's going to be there as well so um Amazing. so yeah so we're going to go up to manchester on the friday night for that Perfect. i think the, the general idea is to keep it going and keep it fresh and just keep it going for as long as it can you know lifespan wise and then um once we're done with the festivals meanwhile behind the scenes um myself and jake west and with the help of dad we are building a story and building um all this leading up to a, a feature script which we're really excited about oh wow, yeah that is super exciting isn't it the only other thing I was going to ask you both was um, what you were working on next. Is it the feature version of this or is there something else in between that we should be looking out for? Yeah, I'd say so. We, the, the, the idea is next. Well, while this is going on with the festival circuit, we'll be working away behind the scenes um, doing Paradolia the feature. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. It's It's going to take a lot of patience but thankfully you know Stuart, jake my dad we seem to be sort of a well-oiled machine and it's going to be daunting taking over from my dad on writing duties but i think you know i've done two documentaries now um uh, that are doing quite well and then this i think has to be expanded in my eyes i just have a gut feeling and it's not my hernia but it, it is a gut feeling that this is the next big thing and it's it's just making sure the short film does well enough to get noticed. And uh, and thank you for mentioning the feature idea as well, because a lot of people have been saying to us, you know, are you going to expand it? And the answer is yes, we do want to expand it. It's just making sure we do the right thing with it because yeah. it, it's, it's my dad's story. So I'm very protective over it. And I want to make sure that if we're continuing it, if we're expanding upon it, I can't say if it's going to be a prequel, sequel, whatever. I, I don't want to commit to anything. I just want to make sure that it's done right and it's done mm. respectfully. I think, I think something when you know you're watching a really well-made short film is when you start to sort of create those ideas yourself. When you start thinking, okay, I can see the beats of this film. I can imagine how this would potentially work in a feature. Um, oh, I would like to spend more time with this character. I'd like to spend more time in this place. Mm. I'd like to have this idea fleshed out slightly. Or mm. more. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely it's got a lot of potential. In all the reason we've been doing a lot of test audiences as well. I've been sending it to. Uh, friends of mine in the industry and, and all of them are coming back saying that they wanted more and they wanted to see more and they could see it be a, to be a feature so mm. it, it's there, people are asking for it already yeah. 
Definitely. and hopefully after Fright yeah, Fest. Yeah. I think Aaron will agree with me on this. When we made it, we haven't made it to win lots of laurels and stuff. That's always nice. But that isn't the end game. This no. is a calling card for someone to look at it and think we can do something with this. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, yeah, so obviously I'll put the, the trailer link in the show notes as well for everybody to take a look at. Um, and I'll see both of you next week at the screening as well. We'll, we'll catch up then, chat some more about it. Uh, but thanks both of you for joining me. Thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Uh, thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music and to ACAS for hosting the show. And thanks so much, Aaron and Stuart, for joining me. You're very Thank welcome. You and if you want a if you want a little mini baking tray as well, definitely subscribe to <laughs> oh, the yeah, Horror of course. Hangout. I should I should say Paradolia, where can we keep up to speed with with everything Paradolia online as well? Where can all the is, up to speed? Stuart is always updating. Facebook. Yeah. Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Either under Paradolia, there is a page on there, but mostly it's on all the Misty Moon stuff. So Twitter, Misty Moon Events. Uh, Misty Moon exhibitions and events on Facebook, my personal Facebook, Instagram as well. Mr. Misty Moon, it's all out there. Lovely. I'll put those links in the show notes as well so everyone can check them out. Uh, yeah, see you guys very soon and thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.